ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Pod. I'm Aaron. I'm uh, Matt. And we're continuing our mini-sode series, What Have You Been Watching? So, Matt, we have a guest in the Launchpad today. We do. We have our buddy, Ryland Grant. Ryland, how are you doing? Welcome to the Launchpad. I'm, I'm doing wonderful, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be on the podcast. I'm a huge fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ryland's a cool guy that we met at uh, WonderCon when we did our WonderCon episode uh, a couple weeks back. Ryland, what, what, are, what are you up to? What have you been reading? What have you been watching? What have you been doing? It's a fair question. And uh, so, so I used to be a prolific devourer of all things uh, written and filmed. Then about 18 months ago, I had a young daughter. <laughs> oh, completely taken over my life. And so I am now the guy who's like behind on everything, yeah. uh, which is terrible to, uh, for me. You know, I mean, I, I, I've, you know, I started dove into this comic pond a few years ago and I have a lot of friends who are creators and um, I'm good in that I order, I pre-order all of their books. You know, I have them all on my, my pull list, but now I have a, like a six foot tall stack of books. That I have. <laughs> The thing I did watch yesterday is the, the Andre the Giant documentary Oh, from The Ringer, from Bill Simmons, who, you know, created 30 for 30. This is kind of the first documentary effort since he left uh, ESPN for him. And uh, man, it's good. I don't know the gentleman's name, but it's directed by the same guy who directed the Fab Five documentary. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. You know, I, I don't know if you guys are wrestling guys, but very formative when I was when I was young. And uh, obviously, Andre the Giant just kind of transcends wrestling, sports, whatever, sure. you know, was was kind of the biggest star in the world. And it's, it's just a really good story really interesting you just find out a lot about the guy that that you didn't know it becomes this interesting thing because like anyone who's anyone has you know that was around during that time has their andre the giant story sure yeah. it's like schwartz you know schwarzenegger makes his appearance and talks about how like andre picked him up like a rag doll and put him on top of an armoire because he was mad because <laughs> andre wanted to pay the check and schwarzenegger you know tried to sneak one in one time and his fights with like kareem abdul jabbar and uh <laughs> and it's quirky i mean it's like obviously this guy was i mean he was built at seven foot four or 500 pounds. I don't know if that was his actual uh, size, but it wasn't far off. You know, I think once you get over a certain height and a certain weight, like it kind of doesn't matter, but it's like they get into how this guy had to fly on planes and, and, and how he had to, <laughs> how he had to urinate on planes and in hotel rooms. Like he couldn't fit into the bathroom on an airplane. So like the stewardess would like pull a curtain and give him a bucket and he couldn't fit into hotel bathrooms. So he had to like shit in a blanket and housekeeping would come and carry it off it was like what <laughs> it's like literally every every second is filled with something amazing and and particularly like the guy was a po prolific drinker and there are just all these stories about you know rick flair talking about how he like was once there when he drank like 106 beers or something like that <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking about being on the set of a princess bride where he just watched him drink 20 bottles of wine. And like, you know, this is a guy who like he had to drink two fifths of vodka to feel anything. And yeah, he's got like that Wolverine ability where he can't insane. get drunk. So where did you see this documentary? Uh, it's, it's running on HBO now. It premiered last night. Uh, oh, okay. I got to check that out because I, I love Princess Bride. He's one of the best parts of that movie. He's so awesome. Um, now I know how I got to go to the bathroom at hotels from here on out. Well, that's the thing is like I'm thinking and I don't I don't want to read into it too much. But like 
in my mind, I can't shake the image of him on all fours like a dog walking around trying to find the best spot and then squatting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's terrible. Like, I know I'm not even saying that to be funny, but that's what my mind immediately went through when you said when you when you said a blanket. I was like, how yeah. would that even work? Oh my gosh, that's insane. I, I I'm definitely going to check this out. Anything else you've been you've been watching? Usually, usually these days it's just something that's like on in the background while I'm kind of, you know, writing emails, promoting a comic yeah. trying to get done or something like that because I, you know, I have my movie, my TV work, I have my comic work. Usually that is guys grocery games, mm-hmm. which is, which is like a terrible guilty pleasure. Like you're, you're, I, 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 I should have mentioned that right now because I, I, I probably feel like, you know, your, your listeners are, are kind of tuning out right now. They're <laughs> Our social media is blowing up with judgments for sure. That you had them for Andre the Giant. You lost them with the, with the grocery games. <laughs> No, it's cool though. Like you have to have something going on just to kind of entertain yourself. I like garbage television just as much as the next guy. Well, yeah, well, I'm going to take issue with that because I, I believe that Guy's Grocery Games is not garbage television. I think. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think Guy Fieri is a, a an American treasure. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been bouncing around Hollywood for a while, and so I, I've I've actually had my interactions with Guy Fieri. He, oh, um, yeah, he and I had beef one day. I took the last Mountain Dew Code Red out of uh, Lorenzo Lamas's refrigerator one day, and man, this guy I fucked me like I had spit on his mother or something like that. And 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 then he was just like staring at me from across the room the entire time. And he's and, and he's watching, and I'm like, should I give this to him? Should I not? And so, guy and I had beef, but we've run into each other a couple more times, and I think we're cool. And I appreciate his television show. I, I'm a big Guy Fieri fan. I'm going on record right now. It's a it's a hot take, but uh, but but I'm owning it. Somewhere, Guy Fieri is on another podcast, shitting all over you for taking that drink. He's like, Rylan Grant. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he took my code red Mountain Dew. Oh, that's really funny. Yeah, he was pissing me off the entire party, and then he goes in, he takes the last Mountain Dew code red. And everybody knows that 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 I brought the code red. <laughs> there's plenty of beer. There's there's plenty of regular Mountain Dew. There was some... Back- <laughs> has to take the code red and he knows that that is my beverage that's pretty funny i can't judge you that much because like i said everybody has has the thing they like do you consider it a guilty pleasure or you're not guilty at all about it well i here's the thing is like i'm sitting here with you guys and i know that you guys are uh, are educated film folk and you know <laughs> I, i'm hearing your very intelligent takes on on touch of evil and so i feel we need to dress <laughs> up a little bit here's the thing is like i think guys grocery games is masterpiece uh <laughs> but you know if i'm sitting here with you guys I'm going to be like, oh, well, it's a guilty pleasure, but you called me out. I'm fronting a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it's a guilty masterpiece. But, yeah. Hey, that's okay. I can't judge. Rumi, what have you been watching? Um, I've actually been doing a lot of stuff around the house where I can like half be in, half be out of something. Yeah. Um, I certainly did all the, the Godzilla stuff, so if you guys haven't listened to our Godzilla episode, check those out because we, I mean, between... You, me, and, and Chris, we probably watched all of them, but yep. I've been watching a bunch of those. But while I've been doing stuff around the house, I've been having Breaking Bad on in the background, and I'm uh, working uh, my way through amazing. season four. Dude, and it's like, this is at least the third, maybe the fourth time I've made my th- way through the whole series, and it is still every bit as good. And like, I don't buy, you know you know me, Rumi, yeah. I don't buy in the hype. I can't think of many better scripted dramas than this show. And I know what's going to happen at this point, but when it does, I'm still... Oh, when Rumi and I used to live together, <laughs> it used to be like 
We used to be those people in the movie theater that just yell at the screen, no, you did not do, no, don't you do that. <laughs> and I'm not necessarily yelling at the screen still when I watch Breaking Bad, but I'm still feeling that. And Rumi, like yeah. your your essence is still next to me at times when TV <laughs> riles me up. And that's, that's, I mean, Breaking Bad, man, there's so many points in that show where you're like, shit. shit. Yeah. Oh, man. When he just sits and watches Jessica's girl die, girlfriend yeah, die. Jessica oh, Jones. Like, no, yeah, she bites it. I'm that? past that part, Oof. but it's like I'm on the Gus Fring. I think this is the episode where, where Gus has his, not oh. his rise and his fall, but the climax Puyo of Hermanos? Gus Fring. Yeah. Ooh. And it's just, I mean, you start to get to know Mike as a character more. Yeah. Um, you st- He's so uh, good. And there's, so there's good. even smaller stuff like the Benicky stuff, which is the the guy who hires Skyler at one point and they have an affair. Yeah. This is where he's in tax trouble and she's trying to save her life with Walt from getting, you know, pulled into this shit that the, the other guy's doing. And she's trying to help him, but she slowly loses her patience after she bends over backwards to get this guy's ass out of the fire. And it's it's like a C plot at most. Yeah. But it's a well thought out, well scripted, certainly well acted. Yeah. And I think that's the strength of that show is, you know, you can get a show and cast two or three amazing people. But if those two or three amazing actors can't work with each other in an amazing fashion you have three individual performances that don't really jive to make a, a, a yeah. masterpiece. This has, I mean, how many perfectly cast, perfectly written roles that are not only performed well as individual roles, but they're entwined in ways that you're like, shit, like I'm feeling for both of you characters on the opposite sides of the same fence at the same time. It really is. I mean, f- third or fourth viewing, it's still a good show. Riley, yeah, I'm yeah. assuming you've seen I, the whole thing, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been through it probably two and a half times. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, amazing television completely changed the landscape. I mean, you, you hit it right in the head. Like, I would totally watch the Skyler Ted Beneke movie. Like, I sure right. Know, give me give me two hours of that. I'll be riveted. I mean, it's it's just so and uh, and yeah, the the Mike Ehrman Trout stuff is so is so incredible. And of course, he's you know he's he's kind of just sort of turned it up to ten or eleven in the Better Call Saul series. I mean, he he's just so good. I just loved it. You, you never knew it was was around the next corner. It's so rare. I mean, I'm I'm a screenwriter. Like I've been I've been writing movies since I was eighteen. It's very rare that I'm surprised. Sure. And li- literally every time I turned into Breaking Bad, I was stunned. This overall arc of seeing this like good decent man put into a compromising position and then just kind of watching him like burn in his own fire and it's like yeah. he's, he's he's given opportunity after opportunity to kind of pour some water on it and instead he kind of like doubles down he gleefully pulls you know if i can mix my metaphors i guess he he gleefully pours gasoline all over that fire over and over oh yeah he stokes the fire and then throws his wife in there too (laughs) and i gotta say everyone is on the at least was on the brian cranston train for the last i don't know 10 years or so he is incredible in malcolm in the middle and he is incredible in Breaking Bad, but I'm going to say right now, that's all that he can do, in my opinion. And that is a lot. I'm not, I shouldn't wow. say all. I have yeah. not seen him in anything else that I cared about. He mm. didn't do a bad job, but I feel like he's either playing Hal or he's playing Heisenberg. And in my, like, I'm not saying that's all, I guess I'm not, I did just say it, but I'm, I'm recanting that that's all he can do. It's all I've seen him do. Yeah. And he nailed both of those, but in any other thing, I just feel like someone's like, hey, be Heisenberg in this scene. Hey, be Hal in this scene, <laughs> you know? It, it will become that. I think he was really good in Trumbo, and he was different in Trumbo, about a writer. Yeah, he was good in Trumbo. It was different, yeah. and it was okay, but I feel like anyone else could have done that role. 
Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. It becomes really hard to kind of escape this sort of Hollywood gravitational pull where it's yeah. like your Heisenberg. And so those are the roles you're offered. Okay. After playing the dad in Malcolm Middle and after playing Heisenberg, like what else is out there? Like, yeah. he, I just don't know what, what is so radically different from those characters that, that are going to surprise us because I mean, here's the thing is he created these characters that they have so many shades of gray. Walt is this decent sort of milk toast high school teacher who becomes Tony Soprano. Watching him go through that transformation is what made the show so interesting, what brought me back again and again. But the funny thing is, when I saw the first episode, well, let me start this with a question. Have you guys ever had a glass of, of a drink, let's say uh, a beer, and you go to take a sip but somebody has switched it out with milk and you're just <laughs> your brain is just like can't conceive what what you're drinking right now what sort of tricky bars do you go to <laughs> <laughs> well, but have you ever had that experience yeah, where yeah, you, ex- yeah. you expected something and it was something completely different your mind was like what is this when okay. i first saw the first episode of breaking bad i was like i love brian cranston i can't wait to see him in his new comedy breaking bad <laughs> and i started watching breaking bad and i was like this isn't funny. This isn't funny at all. <laughs> These jokes are falling so flat. He's trying so hard to be funny, and it's not funny at all. My brain couldn't wrap the head around, and then somebody's like, it's not a comedy, dude. It's a drama. And I was like, oh, well, that was excellent. Wow, wow, that suddenly made sense. I watched... I, How I, many seasons in were you before you no, realized? just the first episode. <laughs> the first episode, I was like, I tuned out and was just like, this isn't funny, and I turned it off. And then somebody was like, oh, did you see Breaking Bad? It was so cool to see him do something completely different. And then it dawned on me that it wasn't a comedy. <laughs> That's the most amazing take on Breaking Bad that I've ever heard in my life. Like, I feel like now somebody has to go and, like, edit a trailer or something. Right. You know, making <laughs> like, Breaking Bad a comedy. It's like, you know, it's like, this pub from AMC, Brian Cranston <laughs> in Breaking Bad. And I was like, the funniest part was when Aaron Paul, like, scrambled out of the roof window. The, the, the music just wasn't yeah. right at all. Like, it should have been, like, zany or something. Watches like, this cancer-addled school teacher tries like, his hand at meth. Just not funny at all. But then it's like, somebody's like, it's not a comedy comedy and you're like oh and then i went back and watched the first you know watched the first season all the way through and you're like oh this is amazing i get see, it see that reminds I me when it. you told me that you thought seinfeld was going to be a hard-hitting drama and you were disappointed <laughs> back then too it's like dude do you ever watch a fucking commercial <laughs> well, I, I, I mean it's there right like kramer is very obviously a drug addict <laughs> jerry's just looking yeah. for love george is looking for love yeah it's yeah it's really just a a, a story about some friends it's such a good show Jeez. But it, it is funny that the first first episode... It's not funny. I didn't get it all. Yeah, I was just like... Dumb. I, wish I, could, I wish I could... If we ever build another time machine, aside from fucking up Leprechaun movies, if we could just go back and just watch your face while you watch the first Breaking Bad. <laughs> the distaste of my face. Yeah. I was like, I don't think it's funny that this he has cancer. Go- I, no, not I don't funny think it's at funny at all. No, just not funny. I think Monk in the Middle was a better outing for him, for sure. For sure. No, it was, it was. I was being such a moron. I don't know what happened, but... I, I came around and and the, it's it then it ended up being freaking you know the best show. Um, ever. Are you watching any comedies or dramas now that you know what they're supposed to be? Like, is there anything that you're reading? <laughs> so, that you so so I I've been watching <laughs> the two movies that I watched recently. One was The Third Man, which like Touch of Evil is like oh, a noir. Yeah. Awesome mm. movie. Nice. It started losing me at first. Like it starts out pretty slow, sure. laying the groundwork, and you're like, I get it, I get it. Your friend, you you can't find your friend, but then. Just about the beginning of the third act, there's a huge twist. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the movie? 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I, I have to say I probably haven't seen it since film school, so yeah. it's been a really long time, but, you know, classic and, you know, gorgeous film. and It's yeah. beautiful. Well, there's a big yeah. twist, and we'll just tell people it's worth checking out. Oh, there's for a sure. Huge, huge twist oh, that just made me put my phone down and go, whoa. And then, like, from there, it's just a roller coaster. Like, you get one of the coolest villains I've seen in a long time because he's the type of villain who thinks he can convince the protagonist to come to his side. Right. And he's pretty good about it and he menaces there's a scene where the villain and the protagonist go into a old time like Mary uh, no uh, Ferris, Ferris wheel, wheel yeah. but it's the Ferris wheel that had like a pod attached to it that you stand in like you can literally stand in it like it's a room like a subway like a subway car floating on and a Ferris wheel and have a whole wheel. expositional dialogue in yeah and at one point he just opens up the door just to show him that he could throw him out if he wanted to and you're like damn that's cold it's it's not only an Orson Welles vehicle but there's a lot of uh, there's at least a couple people isn't the Orson Welles and another main character were also in Citizen Kane i forget that guy's yeah, name yeah there's a lot of big citizen kane characters um, it's a great movie though and and to echo what you both have said so far it's old yeah, it takes its time on purpose. It takes a minute. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those movies that, like, every once in a while, it will pop up on a Turner Classic, and I'll DVR it. But then, like, I'll start it a little too late, and then during the slow part, I'll start to conk out a bit, and I'll be like, "Oh, I'll finish this tomorrow." And then that turns into, "I'll finish it tomorrow, tomorrow," and I don't get to it. But like you, recently I watched it. Fuck, man, it is worth watch it yeah. a little earlier. It's worth sticking through, it's even though it's it. a little slow, and the pacing is it's on purpose. But it builds some great suspense. It's got a really cool climax. So good, uh, super yeah. memorable score. Got some mandolin music there playing the weird. theme. Yeah, it's a weird. It does it almost doesn't fit, but then like you get used to it, and you're like, I'm into it. It's 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 cool. The other movie that I've been watching a little bit more on brand for Launchpad Pod. I watch Return of the Living Dead Part Three. Nice. And this one's great because it's. It's Brian Yunza who does great body horror. It's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet. The makeup and gore in it are out of control. Mm-hmm. Bonkers. And it's like this kid and his girlfriend, they're like, they're badasses and they want to get into some trouble. And the kid's dad is like the general at some like scientific uh, zombie experimentation lab <laughs> that they just can kind of walk into. They just waltz in there. They steal the dad's like pass card and they sneak in and they're watching some zombie shit. And then, like, the girlfriend gets, I mean, this is on the box art, so, but spoiler alert, the girlfriend dies, like, early in, like, 20 minutes into the movie, and he's like, oh, I can bring her back. So he takes her back to Zombie Lab, turns her into a zombie, and then the rest of the movie is Bananas Gore Fest. And she's, like, pretty cognizant, but she's losing it slowly, so by the end, she's all like, ah, I'm a zombie. But it's freaking great. It was so freaking cool. Uh, the effects are amazing. There's zombies with their faces falling off. There's one zombie who's in like a metal contraption. They keep blowing off his arms and legs. And like the pu- it's like a puppet ends up becoming a puppet. Really cool stuff. Really great scenes. Have you seen this one, Rumi? I don't know. I think I've seen the second one. I've seen the first two. But the, it, this, the third one's awesome. This begs the question, and I, ask, I put the question to both of you. Would you reanimate your dead love? <laughs> Especially, this is a kid, right? Well, this isn't like they've been like married and have kids, and he doesn't think the financial security is there. Yeah, it, not after, not after witnessing what he witnesses. Like they sneak into this lab, and he sees that they can reanimate dead people, but it goes horribly wrong. Like they before see, he does it to yeah, his girlfriend. Before he does it to his girlfriend, okay. the reason he knows that he can go back there and do that is because they witness this reanimation experiment. But then the zombie like kills six people. Like it's insane. It's like crazy, crazy. Do seeing that wouldn't make me go, oh, let me try this on my girlfriend. I know it, he's like crazy and it's like a last ditch effort. But it just that that seems like a did you did we see the same thing happen, kid? Right. This seems like a terrible idea for you to try yeah. this. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, here's the thing is like hundreds of years of literature and movies and TV have told us that this is a really bad <laughs> idea. Um, um, emotionally, though, it gets you. And, and, and here's, here's my confession. I once so, reanimated my dead wife. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's <laughs> um, no, but it's a little over a year right now. Uh, my wife and I lost our French bulldog. And so when he died, I found myself saving some of his hair because I knew there was this process by which you could actually clone your pet. And if you remember the Oscars, one of Jimmy Kimmel's like jokes that really landed was about how Barbara Streisand had, right. she had cloned her like her love of her life dog. And I think she cloned it twice. Like she has two of the same dog now, two of them, yeah. which is like a little bit creepy. And so it's like, so there's this, <laughs> I, I, first of all, here's the thing is it, it costs like a hundred thousand dollars. So Ooh. I, you know, I don't think I ever can or will be able to do it, but somewhere, and I don't quite know where it is because we're kind of still moving into our house, but, uh, I have a bunch of my dogs here <laughs> from which at some point in the future, I might be able to clone him, and then I will be faced with uh, with this sort of decision that we're talking about. And and who knows? Maybe he'll come back as a demon, or uh, yeah. Hopefully, um, hopefully you don't get a pet cemetery situation out of that one. Or yeah, like a, or a Peter you... Parker Spider Man thing. Oh, that yeah. shit can get out of hand. You got to watch, man. Be careful. <laughs> it's probably very, it's probably probably a very bad idea. But anyway, oh. yeah. I feel like cloning. Is... I'd be more apt to do zombie like. Zo like bringing back a dead body, like reanimating that same body is a different deal. Although I feel like if you ask like 17 year old me with my first girlfriend who I was in fucking love with, I would be like, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> Zombie Allison, the, that'd be fucking great. You definitely but, buy that this kid's dumb enough to try this. So so they, they definitely sell you on it. But then like, oh, man, the, the creature effects and the zombie gore in it are, are top notch. It's. So up our alley, dude. You got to check this out. That's like the standard, like, milking for drama emotion moment of, yeah. like, 90% of zombie films where it's like, you know, dude, that's not your wife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They even did it in, like, the first season of The Walking Dead. That's not your wife, man. Yeah. That's not your son. That's not your, you know, it's it's, it's that sort of classic moment that you kind of have to hit. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I feel like, you know, of course, like, you can't do, like, nine seasons of, like, you know, a, a great TV show without kind of tripping over that once you know yeah you have to get to that point where you're like they're gone dude just let them go you gotta have it <laughs> and it, and it's the crazy thing is so she's pretty cognizant and she's starving for brains and one of the only things that keeps her mind off brains is like pain so she keeps like ramming glass into her fingers oh, and her that's face. the cover of yeah the, the cover and so she turns into like this pain demon sex bot thing it's it's crazy it's crazy the the movie's pretty bonkers but it's worth checking out and super strong it's it's really cool what genre of film did you think it was before you started watching <laughs> like oh this light romantic comedy <laughs> i thought it was a documentary i thought it was all real <laughs> it's like can you believe this happened wow it's so close to our home too this is insane it takes place can, uh, can i just tell you how much i'm looking forward to your guys godzilla like series I, I mentioned before i have probably three or four comics in the pipe right now yeah you know stuff stuff that doesn't come out yet and one of them is a tokusatsu joint your listeners should know but you know tokusatsu is kind of the japanese sci-fi uh you know action genre that includes voltron power yeah. rangers and then of course kaiju like godzilla i've partnered with this guy brad warner who is like a fairly prolific zen author that's kind of his day job but he spent 12 years uh working for this company called zubaraya productions which was founded by the guy who created godzilla in japan and they do all the ultraman shows awesome so the idea was we wanted to sort of repackage tokusatsu and kaiju for an american audience it's kind of like voltron meets fast and the furious <laughs> i'm into that 
Yeah, and of course, like you know, I'm not. I've written for. I've written for the directors of five of the eight Fast and the Furious movies, so I kind of <laughs> have the. I kind of have the the formula down. That's hilarious because it sounds like the poster to another Fast and Furious, like, <laughs> yeah, from the six good. producers <laughs> of the seventh film. You know, and you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a joke, right? It's like, okay, well, they got to go to space now. I want to um, hear Vin Diesel go. I all form the head. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, but, but yeah, so we're, uh, we're kind of full steam ahead on that. And so like you guys, I've been kind of steeped in all of this tokusatsu kaiju stuff. And, fun stuff uh, though, right? It's a fun thing to fall into. That's amazing. It's, it's, uh, there's just so much of it. It's so incredible. A lot of it's so awful in the best way. It, it's been really interesting. I'm looking forward to your, your Godzilla retrospective. I don't know if my daughter is going to cooperate on this, but what I would like to do is kind of watch the series along with you guys. One, because I know your your insight will be great, but but also because I think it will uh, inform kind of in the throes of like, of, of, of scripting, you know, we, we had the first issue done, but I'm in the throes of kind of scripting the, the next few issues of this thing. And I think that it would be a, a beneficial uh, deal for me. So uh, I'm looking for a Godzilla education from you oh, guys. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, our first Godzilla episode is out now. We covered the Showa-era Godzilla films. It's like the first 15 films. And our next one comes out next week. We cover the Heesey series. But since you're talking about comics, that's why we brought you on. You write independent comics, and you have one coming out really soon. Tell us about your comic, man. It's a book called Aberrant. It's going to be released. It'll be in comic stores in June, end of June, via Action Lab Danger Zone, which is uh, Action Lab's mature uh, adult imprint. So, you know, it's not a kitty book. No, it is, it is not. Uh, <laughs> Ryland gave us a sneak peek. It is balls to the wall awesome. It is not for kids. Yeah, we got to read the first five issues, and really cool stuff, man. It, I describe it as like... 24 with superheroes involved. Nice. And oh, that's like, a good way to think of it. And, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. And like m- military sort of uh, behind enemy lines sort of espionage going on. And it, it's it's really exciting. I, I love wh- how it starts. One of the cool things I will say about it is that you use music, which is weird to say for yeah, a comic uh, book. Yeah. Sure. But the use of music throughout it is very cinematic. And there's always a song or a tie-in to a song or something that reminds people of a song. And the character's run in and out of these songs as themes to the different issues. So why don't you tell me about that? What brought you into, what, what was like, I'm going to include music in a comic book? That's an in, in-depth answer here. So kind of like you guys, you know, I was a film school guy. I studied, you know, I studied film history and dramatic writing in undergrad. And then I did a year-long intensive in cinematography at the LA Film School. And then I, uh, I got my master's in directing at the American Film Institute. Very much a, a filmmaking background. I have been paid for the last 12 years uh, pretty handsomely, but I've been and paid handsomely to write movies that don't get made. So, so, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, and I've, I've written for a lot of amazing people, Ridley Scott, Justin Lin, F. Gary Gray, John Woo, uh, Luke Basson, Johnny Depp. But um, so few movies actually get made in Hollywood, you yeah. know, uh, and, and, and particularly, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into whole like politics of Hollywood discussion, but, but it's a lot. A, yeah. Yeah, it's a rough go. And then, um, you know, I sort of transitioned into comics partially because I could write something, hand it off to an artist and immediately see pages back. I, I, I'm not a guy who who easily tears up, but literally like the first time I saw a drawn page, oh. like, I, I started crying. That must cool. be so cool. That, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of why we podcast. It's like, well, making movies takes a lot of work and a lot of money. But we can be creative and have be as funny as we think we are just getting some <laughs> microphones. So I definitely respect when you're like. I just want to see something I've done get made. And so you get an artist and then it's like, that's amazing. That's really cool. 
Yeah, and particularly because I'm writing 100, 200 million dollar movies, so yeah. very few of those get made, and they're very hard to, to undergo. And you know, I mean, I can I, anything I put in a comic, they can just draw immediately. And so that's a long-winded way of saying. So when I approach writing and crafting a comic. I approach it as if I'm kind of directing like a short film or something like that. And, 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 They're and very cinematic. Well, thank you for that. I, I take that as a compliment. You, I, I, th- I think you guys probably noticed that, uh, the you know, credit. Uh, yeah, the credits page, it says written and directed by Ron and Grant. Yeah. Uh, something along those lines, which, you know, some comic people might want to kick my ass after that, but, uh, no, but, it's cool. But, so aberrant is very much a story that, you know, I, I mean, I, I love 24 with superheroes. I, th- I think that's amazing. My short elevator pitch is that it's basically like three days of a condor. Yeah. You know, the Sidney Pollack film, if like there was a superpowered badass waiting around every corner wanting to stomp a mud hole in Robert Redford. Um, mm-hmm. 24 is a good reference because I think it was inspired by these same films. But, you know, having this kind of film history background, I was very much channeling kind of those 70s paranoid thrillers, particularly those spy thrillers of the 70s, like Condor and Marathon Man and in the conversation. We've seen some of that in modern film. Uh, Like, I think Michael Clayton is one of the best films made in the last, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 years, probably. That was a big thing. Tony Scott's Enemy of the State was... was Yeah. And so and so here's the thing. And so I was trying to and and particularly that first issue really channels some of those like just those 80s action movies that that we all loved, you know, Predator. And 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 it just kind of has that feel. And here's the thing is like a really good Hollywood action movie has a really good soundtrack. I just committed to, you know, look, I mean, the first book has has three songs that you're going to recognize immediately that you're going to you know start singing along to. There's, you know, what don't worry, be happy. And uh, you're nobody till somebody loves you, uh, loves you by Dean Martin. And and, and then they're scattered throughout the rest of the series and uh uh you know what we have music by wilson phillips and well, sort of blue, blue christmas comes up um, oh yeah, that's yeah, the second yeah, yeah. Uh, second really issue yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah really good use of an r kelly song and what i think is probably the best yeah. uh, issue number four and so um there's a reason why you don't see popular music in comics because it's like insanely hard to clear it's insanely expensive there's a lot of legal maneuvering that has to happen. And uh, and so I spent a lot of time and a lot of money getting this down. But I thought it was so integral to the book and so integral to the feel of the things and the thing uh, feeling filmic and, and setting a tone. You literally hear those songs while you're while you're reading. And I think that that's exactly. an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's an experience that comic readers haven't had. And so I'm, I'm just, you know, you need a reason to buy the book. And so so here's the thing is like you're going to pick this up and it's it's not going to feel like a book you've read before. So, well, that's what I was going to say is like, you know, there's a every time somebody does a new superhero comic book it's it, it's a tough that's a tough mountain to climb because yeah. how many superheroes have we seen and this yeah. is taking a different approach like i said this is like if jack ryan suddenly realized he had super strength it is a superhero book in a way but it's kind of not is it, yeah, so sure. so inspiration for this there's a really good episode of star trek the next generation i'm gonna i, I i'm gonna show my my geekiness off here i don't, I don't know if you guys are check geeks <laughs> or not uh nerd, nerd alert nerd alert nerd alert <laughs> literally every episode of star trek is like they're on the bridge mm-hmm. they encounter an alien threat and then like insanity ensues and so that happens in this episode but you d- you don't stay on the bridge in this episode data's day you are with data while all this is going on and data is like petting his cat and you know watching like a kettle boil and it's just what's going on with data in his normal life while all hell is breaking loose like around him and so aberrant kind of takes that approach where it is a superhero book, but but it's it's not like we're not with superheroes. We're not with Superman foiling crimes and stuff like that. It mm-hmm. is 
it, it is about what else is going on in a world where superheroes exist. So it's like so so specifically, it's how our our military and our our politics, like the United States's geopolitical agenda, would have to change if superpowered individuals existed in the world. And so and especially if those superpowered individuals were up for sale, as we see in the comic books, like yeah. the ability to have a superpowered team or to hire these superpowered people, what does that mean in in a in a in a global political world? That's and and that's some of the interesting stuff. And I got to tell you, this there's a lot of cool. Like really, Ryland, there's a really a lot of cool stuff in this book. But the thing that gets me, and it has always gotten me, it is the thing that first got me into comics was when you can show me superhero stuff through a different perspective or a different lens. That's mm-hmm. interesting and. I got into comics late. I got into comics in my 20s, and it was a couple books that weren't head-on superhero stories. Now, whether it was like Alex Ross's Marvels, Marvels where it's exactly. a superhero yeah. story, but you're so not, yeah. it, you know, your main character is not a superhero, and you're seeing the whole Marvel universe from a different perspective, or like Mark Miller's Wanted, where it's like that's a whole nother take that looks through yeah. a different lens of superherodom and supervillandom. I lo- I had never thought about that before, and that was one of the the hooks that got me into reading comics as a whole. You're like, fuck, wait, you can make these things actually pretty sophisticated, or at least fucking yeah. wacky. And yours is a little bit of both, and it's pretty cool because yeah. like. It's not a superhero story, but it's got superhero stuff in it. And it's like, yeah, but like, think about this thing in the real world if superheroes were real. And I yeah. love, like, that's probably my favorite part about your book, at least the, uh, the issues that we've read so far. I really like how early on, I'm not going to spoil it, but early on there's a great twist where you're like, oh, man, this is going to happen. Oh, it's mm-hmm. not what I thought it was. Yeah. And that, that issue is where, like, it really hooked me because it's like, cool, cool, cool. Whoa, what a cool way to look at that and what a cool twist. So... Guys, early on in the series, there's a really neat twist. We read the first five issues, but you leave me with this cliffhanger like, well, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen between these two characters? Are they going to fight it out? Are they going to hug it out? Are they going to become friends? Are they going to become enemies? So, like, really early on, good characters. Like I said, music. There's music in a comic book. There's a soundtrack that you hear while you read it. Um, It's interesting. There's a lot of different different angles to take and look at this so people should definitely check it out so it's very good to hear this thing about the surprises because it's yeah. uh you know I, I i try to make a rule where i have two big twists per issue okay and i don't try to make them you know i mean you, you can kind of get carried away and just have twists for, for for the sake of twists but i never want the reader to see what's coming you know sure. uh, yeah. it, it just you know it's something that i've learned just being in hollywood for, for so long is like the audience is so film comic literate these days like they're yeah. they're so they're so smart it's always been the curse of, of being a writer is that when i watch top chef i know five to 10 minutes in who's going home and who's going to win just because I I just recognize the patterns. And, and I I used to think that I was sweet because of that. And now I think like (laughs) your average, like housewife in Montana probably like experiences the same thing. Like we're, we're just so literate. And so, so in writing aberrant, that was a thing is like, you know, you, it's very easy to sit down and just write how the story should go. And I think that 90% of comics, people just do that. Like, you know, again, I pick up, I pick up your, your average, like big label comic and, and I just know where it's going. I just try to turn things on their head as, as often as possible. And, you know, even, even in the narrative, it's like, you're, you're following one character for three issues. And then the fourth issue you pick up and you're following a completely different character. And and it, but it's actually, it works. And like suddenly, because it's a character you're aware of and you think you have an opinion of who he is and then it's like oh guess what we're 
turning it on its head. I mean, great work, man. I'm, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Where can people find this when, when it comes out in June? Where is it going to be? It is available uh, at your local comic shop. You know, let me sound off for your local comic shop. It's amazing in a number of ways. Like, you know, you, you get your crack there, and uh, it's an amazing community center, and we got to keep these uh, these things afloat. For so, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, so we don't do so, that enough. We should do that more. We should sound out for the comic shops. Guys, go to your local comic shop, especially when this comes out in June. And 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 we're going to plug this. Well, that when this comes out, we are going to we'll put up imagery, we'll put up uh you have these great ads in here that are like fake Billy D like like homages yeah. to old ads like Billy D Williams with the with the Colt 45 yeah. ad. Well, let me just get a legal dis disclaimer. Okay. It's, it's it's not Billy D Williams, it's William, William D Williams. Williams. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. Who, who is in fact declaring proudly that aberrant works every time uh, <laughs> you know, there is a karmic cousin to stevie wonder who also uh, enthusiastically embraces the book at one time those ads will actually run in other uh, action lab books uh, awesome. leading up to the thing it's in stores proper come june 27th but you can actually go down to your local comic shop right now or you can go online at mile high comics or or any of these other mega shops that will ship right to your house and you can order aberrant just do an internet search, Aberrant, Ryland Grants. Uh, it is available for pre-order right now. And um, it's a lot of, it's something that I think a lot of like comic consumers don't understand is, you know, it's one thing to go down to your, your shop and buy a book the day it comes out. But really kind of what drives everything and what sets the tone is, is pre-orders. And so if you can walk down to your, your comic shop and say, you know, hey, I'm really interested in this aberrant book. Will you order it for me? That makes a huge difference, not only for me, but but for the comic shop. The comic shop can count on the sale already. Here's the other thing is that you go into your shop and you're like, hey, I'm interested in this book. And then the comic shop says, hey, we have a really smart person here who we know who who's interested in this book. Maybe we should order 10 more copies for the the uh, the the shop because other, other smart people will be uh, interested in it. With aberrant, obviously, Every title that you like, go down and pre-order it. it. It helps everybody. It greases the wheels. It helps the publisher. It helps Diamond. It helps your comic shop. It helps the creators. I always find myself in this place where I'm like, you know, I missed out on a title, and so I have to drive to five comic shops to try and find it. Sure. If you pre-order, it cuts all of that out. So so go pre-order Aberrant. You can do it right now. Go to your comic shop and tell them you want it. And it's worth it for sure. Like Aaron and I, when we started this show, we're like, we're not going to plug stuff that we don't actually like. We're not going to plug stuff that we don't. Yeah. That we wouldn't read or do. Like we've had people send us movies to review, and we like the first time that ever happened, we were like, "Wait, what if we don't like it?" And we're like, "Well, if we don't like it, we're gonna say that." And this is yeah. definitely worth a pre-order, guys. It's you worth checking out. Yeah. If you like the stuff that Aaron and I usually talk about, this is right in that same vein, and it's it's got a kind of cool spin on it. So it's definitely order the first issue too, guys. Check it out. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, very cool. Go down to your local comic shop, ask for the pre-order, and when it comes out, you said June twenty seventh. Uh, June twenty seventh is the is the date right now, subject to okay. change, but but All it right. should be out then. Well, you can order it right now. Yeah, order it right now, and then keep an eye out because we'll definitely remind you when it comes out. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll remind our fans, and it's worth checking out. Raylan, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate you coming on, talking with us, sharing your comic book with us. Where can people follow you? Where can they find you on the? I am uh, on Twitter at Raylan Grant. Everybody spells my name wrong, so I'm going to spell it out right yeah, now. Yeah, R Y. Yeah. R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. Uh, yeah, find me find me there. My little company is called Half Evil Comics. HalfEvilComics.com. You can kind of preview some of the other things that we have in the pipe. Not everything's up there yet. I'm, I'm bad at updating it. But uh, yeah, that's the short and skinny. Find me on Facebook. Friend me. I'm pretty open about that stuff. If you're a creator, you have questions, let me know. I'm here to, to help you out. 
That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, guys, check him out online. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod, and you can find us on the web at launchpadpod.com. We hope you enjoyed our Godzilla series last week. But next week, we have more Godzilla. We're jumping into the Heesey series. It's going to be awesome. We're covering the next batch of films in the Godzilla era. This is covering Godzilla 1985, or the return of Godzilla, all the way through Godzilla vs. Destroyer. It's pretty awesome stuff. We got our buddy Chris in the house. Yeah. <laughs> we got our Woo! buddy Chris in the house. Dude. I, I, I am so goddamn excited right now. Yeah, man. I'm, <laughs> it's my language, but I am, I, I am brimming with excitement. You heard it here, guys. <laughs> Launchpad Podcast. Until then, we're the Rocketeers. Raylan, thank you so much for coming out and talking to us. Rock and roll, guys. All right. Rocketeers out. Start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff.